This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, this is John Biney. You're listening to TV Confidential. Well, let's hear it for him. Come on, come on out here. On the line with us are Douglas Howard and David Beyond Cooley. Doug and David are the co-editors and two of the contributors of television finales from Howdy Doody to Girls. The last word on TV endings in a book that shows how, in many respects, the final episode of a TV series illuminates the entire show itself. Each chapter of television finales is devoted to a separate finale providing readers with a comprehensive survey of these watershed moments. Tony? Okay, uh, let me throw out a couple of titles for you because I'm thinking of finales. For example, like Monk, you wanted him to solve his wife's murder. Yeah. And my only criticism of the finale is there was so much information that was introduced in the finale. I mean, there were little bits and pieces that were kind of fed through the seasons, through the episodes, you know, a man with six fingers and things like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the last episode, it's, oh, we introduced this judge character played by Craig T. Nelson and all this other stuff. And it's like, okay, that's way too much information overload to put in the finale. And then he solves it. You know, like that's one, like if we think of finales and putting the book together, you know, David and I would talking about like well what shows stand out and I don't like Monk maybe wasn't that wasn't one maybe we were thinking about when we think about the ending and again a great show but maybe we wouldn't be judging the show by that final episode okay so Star Trek Voyager they make it home which was the goal but would you consider that a satisfying uh, resolution to the story I'll let you take that one Doug Star Trek's an interesting one because when we think about the finales for Star Trek and I guess I even think about this when I think about the Next Generation finale. The endings on Star Trek maybe are never completely endings because it seems like the franchise is going to go on indefinitely. You know, when I watch the Star Treks, I always think, I know there's going to be more. I know that they're going to keep this thing going, you know, and now we have discoveries. I, I don't know. Even the Next Generation, like, I didn't feel like, oh, it's an ending, but we knew the films were coming. So yeah. I guess that's what I would say. Star Trek's a, another good example of, like, closure that's not quite closed. Remember when Star Trek began, you know, it had a five-year mission, and that's because Gene Roddenberry wanted five years of shows so he could go into syndication. <laughs> yeah. So it took back then. He did not intend it to end after three. So, you know, poor Captain Kirk was just canceled. And going back to, say, The Fugitive, the fourth year, which turned out to be the final year, is, as I understand, that was not intended to be the final season. I, mean, I think Martin wanted to go on at least another season and it was Jansen who pulled the plug midstream so if they were to do that today with the sensibility we have today where everything builds towards the final ending I think the content of that final season would have been different and there would have been more of a narrative a deliberate narrative drive than there was at the time that show was put together think about the future David Jansen was from what I understand was just exhausted and it makes sense I mean you think about how many episodes they were churning out in a season it was like 30 episodes, right? I mean, now, you know, now you watch a season of 10, you know, so he was responsible for, to carry so many episodes by himself, like he was just exhausted by the time they got through four seasons. 
Yes, all that running around and diving and <laughs> diving into ponds. That <laughs> <laughs> how many? Yeah, he was in almost every single scene. Yeah. yeah, even before that was trendy. Even though it was standalone episodic in a sense, where you could watch any episode and nothing much happened, there still was a forward momentum to the narrative of that show, which made it unlike most other TV series. The fact that he was still on the run at the end of each hour meant the story really was moving forward, or at least moving. There's a forward momentum to our program. Our program tonight features Douglas Howard and David Bianculli. They are the co-editors and two of the contributors to television finales, television finales from Howdy Doody to Girls, an exploration of some of the most compelling and often controversial final episodes in television history, including such famous series finales as The Fugitive, which we just mentioned, Mashed, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, The Sopranos, which you mentioned a little while ago, plus a few others that uh, you may not have thought of, and we'll get to those in just a second. Television Finales is available in bookstores, both in hardcover and as a softcover paperback through Syracuse University Press. You can also find it at Amazon in hardcover, softcover, and as an ebook, Amazon.com, SyracuseUniversityPress.SYR.EDU. Before we called you, Doug and David, uh, we're talking amongst each others, and my favorite chapter of the book is the one on the Dick Van Dyke show. And that's not a show that you wouldn't ordinarily think of in a conversation like this. But Donna, before we called uh, Doug and David, you pointed out to the last show. Yeah, because for me as a viewer that ended the show, I was satisfied. I was satisfied with the ending. And of course, it wasn't coming back after that. Are finales, do you think the majority of them, are they done for the viewers or are they done for the producers? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. I, David, you want to talk about that one? I mean, well, that chapter was written by Mark Dewitziak, who yeah. interviewed Carl Reiner, who created the Dick Van Dyke Show. And that was such a meta finale, because it went back to the history of the show that was never established on the show. Mm-hmm. It was the show business behind the show. It was supposed to be a show about Carl Reiner, where he would star as this TV writer, Rob Petrie, based on his own life on your show of shows. And he couldn't sell the pilot with him in it. So it went as Dick Van Dyke. And in the last episode, Carl Reiner's character, who is now the boss, the basic Sid Caesar of Rob Petrie, he buys the rights to Rob's autobiography to turn it into a TV series. That is Seinfeld meta. (laughs) (laughs) Seinfeld. And also, it's the year before The Fugitive. So this is one of the very first finales. So, Donna, you're absolutely right. And nobody... Nobody really recognizes it as such. I'd even forgotten how good it was until Mark wrote that chapter. So I'm sad to say that I'd like my chapter to be my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Mark's is. You know, it is a thing. I, after uh, I, I read Mark's chapter, like, you'll never look at the Dick Van Dyke show the same way again. You read that chapter, you're like, oh, my God. And he was trying to uh, the, the history of television and was saying, like, if you didn't have Dick Van Dyke... You might not have these other shows, and, and here's a show that talks about both the home and the workplace and kind of anticipates The Sopranos, and, and you, know, you finish reading it, and you're like, the Dick Van Dyke show is brilliant. And I think, you know, Don, you mentioned like why they do it 
why they end them. I mean, I think what has happened over time, uh, you know, if the show like The Fugitive was done for the audience, finales for a long time were, were also just like big business. I mean, you look at some of the numbers that these shows would get in terms of the ratings. MASH have like over 100 million viewers are watching. It's just insanely good business. I can understand why it would be repeated and copied. I mean, I don't know if we're going to see ratings like that moving forward, if that's something we'll, we'll ever see again. No, you know? we won't. We yeah. won't. Okay. Yeah. Not in a fragmented well, universe. No. But it's amazing that almost as many people saw the last episode of MASH as voted for president in that election. Yeah. Wow. Real. Yeah. I think I threw something in there in the book as a footnote that there was some bizarre historical record about it was followed by the, the largest number of toilets flushed in like New yes. York City. I don't know how you calculate that. I'm sure that and crime rates, I'm sure there were. <laughs> yeah, because there have been certain shows that, I think the $64,000 question, yeah. where the crime rates actually dropped while the show was on the air. So yeah. even the criminals took yeah. time off to watch the show. <laughs> it's good to know that. 45 Years of the Rockford Files, revised 3rd edition. The complete history of the Rockford Files on television, now completely updated with more than 20 new interviews, additional photographs, and a whole lot more. 45 Years of the Rockford Files, available now at rockford45.com, rockford45.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at tvconfidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.